One of the longest contained stories in the entire Bible is one of the most exciting stories in Scripture. Paul, the great evangelist, is being sent to Rome as a prisoner to face trial before the emperor. Here's the context. Paul is an educated Roman citizen, formerly the Jewish official Saul. Saul had at one point hunted Christians down, but now Paul is seen as a spiritual competitor because he's preaching that Jesus is the long-awaited Jewish Messiah. Paul had been falsely accused of starting riots in Jerusalem and of defiling the temple. He had appeared in open court before various local officials, and Paul used these situations to speak freely and quite courageously about his faith. The goal was for the Roman officials to figure out why the Jewish leaders wanted him killed. Paul was kept there for two years. Eventually, Paul made use of his status as a Roman citizen to be sent to Rome for trial in hopes of saving his life and, of course, to use it as an opportunity to preach the word to powerful citizens in Rome. As our story picks up, Paul is on his ship. He is one of some number of prisoners being guarded by a centurion. It turns out to be an extremely perilous journey, with Paul eventually being shipwrecked on the island of Malta. Their final destination is the city of Rome, which is just a bit inland from the Mediterranean Sea. For a while, things seem fine with the ship sailing west across the Mediterranean. But the wind shifts, and the ship goes off course. They find themselves in a treacherous area filled with sandbars that often sink the commercial ships that crisscross the Mediterranean. A storm threatens to sink the ship. To lighten the ship, the crews toss everything out that isn't absolutely essential. It all goes overboard. This is where Paul's faith, his trust in God, and his ability to remain calm when facing danger comes through. Because the crew is seasick from the storm, nobody eats, eventually Paul who is supposed to simply be one of the prisoners on the ship, proves to be a leader. He encourages them to eat because they will need their strength for what they're going to have to face. Paul's leadership is illustrated by the speech he gives the crew. I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong, and of whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I've been told. But we must run aground on some island. Interestingly, Different versions of the original text vary in how many people are supposed to be aboard this ship. The translation I'm using here, the English Standard Version, says 276. But 
no matter what, there were a lot of people on that ship, a lot of people for that time and place. Human life was at risk, and it is Paul who is assuring them that they will be safe. At this point, they jettison even the wheat that's in the hold. The ship hits the shoals and breaks apart. Then they crawl onto the shore of the island of Malta. But here's the critical part. Just before they're shipwrecked, we're told this by the author of Acts, who is Luke. As the sailors were seeking to escape the ship and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. The sailors try to sneak away and get into what is apparently a lifeboat. Paul, still acting as a leader, goes to the centurion and tells him that he must keep the sailors on the ship. Otherwise, everyone will die. It is important that they all stay together. They must all remain on the ship. Although they're going to crash on the shore and the ship will be destroyed, they will all live if they stay together and remain on board. Paul knows that the armed centurion, along with the soldiers, are in a better position than the captain to keep the sailors on board. Paul's point is this. God has decided to save everyone on the ship. No one will be lost. But this is only if they keep their trust in God's promise that they will all survive, and only if they all remain on board together. Everyone must have enough faith. The story is an allegory, not just some exciting tale wedged into the book of Acts. Paul is telling us that Christianity is a group thing. It is about the shared faith in God and the shared trust in God's protection that holds the church together. Each of us draws strength from the rest. We will all stay on board together, all the time, not just when the sky is clear and the wind is favorable for sailing. Consider this. Our society today is corrupt. I don't mean to be negative here. It's simply a fact. There are two powerful forces in our society. One is rooted in the entertainment industry. When you turn on the TV and find a reality show, you see people degrading and humiliating themselves and abandoning their moral roots simply to be on television. We are told that so-called celebrities are to be envied, emulated, even worshipped. People who don't in any way contribute to the world and only live for their own self-gratification and to build their own wealth, these people are lifted up to the status of pagan gods. The other powerful force in our society is based on politics. We are like two armies charging toward each other on the battlefield. We thrive on conflict which is reinforced by our highly biased news media. 
The media eggs us on, encouraging us to hate each other. We are taught by television and the internet to do our absolute best to silence anyone with a voice that isn't completely in line with whatever our side believes. When people decide that they're angry about something, they don't simply demonstrate and carry signs. No, they burn and they loot. They're filled with hatred. They want to cancel anyone who doesn't say exactly what the dominant group in society says you should say. There's tremendous pressure in society today to climb aboard the ship of politics, to choose a side in a country where the two sides want to slash each other's throats. I want to be clear, though. Both sides are equally brutal and hateful. What we don't see are Christian values, values that, quite frankly, any human person should want to live by. Love, empathy, nonviolence, humility, and generosity for all people, not just for those who you agree with. These values have nothing to do with what is driving our nation. Forgiveness, a cornerstone of Christianity, has become a sign of weakness. Forgiveness runs counter to the rabid desire for vengeance on those who do not completely agree with whatever you believe is the truth. It is so desperately important now for us to remain on board the ship of faith, not the ship of celebrity status and political power. When I was in college, we had a series of speakers People on the left, people on the right, people in the middle. This was a long, long time ago. There were controversial voices among these speakers. We heard from people who were from a broad spectrum of political and social positions. But we respectfully listened to everyone. One evening, someone I didn't know, another student, happened to be sitting next to me during a speech being given by someone. In truth, I don't remember who the person was, what their position was, or how my beliefs happened to line up with that person's beliefs. I do remember getting into a discussion with this other student sitting next to me. It turned out that we disagreed with each other. With respect to whatever the speaker was talking about, this other student and I saw things in completely opposing ways. We were talking during much of the speech. To be honest, the turnout at this event wasn't that great, so there were few people near us. This allowed us to talk without disturbing anyone. As it happened, I wasn't feeling well. I would find out later that day, later in the evening, that I had mononucleosis. This other student was a young woman. I don't remember her name. Let's call her Susan. At one point, Susan said to me that I didn't look so good. I said, yeah, I felt feverish and rubbery. I told her that I hoped I didn't make her sick. Susan shrugged it off. We continued to debate whatever the speaker was talking about. It might have been the Vietnam War, which had ended not so long before that. I honestly don't know. But we had a very intense conversation. We never came to any kind of agreement. We remained completely at odds with each other 
At the end of the event, when we stood up to leave, Susan suggested that I go to the student health center and see a doctor. She volunteered to walk me there. I started to feel faint. We had to walk up a small hill to get there. And when we got halfway up, she put an arm under my arm and struggled to support me. When we got there, she waited until I was done being seen, which took a few hours. That night, after I was told I had mono, she helped me back to my dorm. This is how we should all live. This is how people on our ship should live. It's not how we're being told to live on the ships of society. After shipwrecking on the island of Malta, Paul stayed there for three months. This is what happened in a world where things moved slowly. It took a long time to arrange transportation the rest of the way to Rome. Today, we would be greatly distressed if we had to wait overnight for the next leg of our journey. He spent the time connecting with the people on the island. He cured the father of the chieftain. Luke, the author of Acts, does not tell us how the trial of Paul in Rome ends. We're told that Paul remains in Rome for at least two years under arrest. We assume, but we don't know for sure, that he dies there. Perhaps this was so widely known at the time that Luke concluded it wasn't necessary for him to write about it. This is how the book of Acts ends. First, Isaiah is quoted. It's used to explain why so many people still will not listen to the teachings of Jesus. It tells us why they don't want to live by the values that the humble Jesus lived by. Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For the people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears they can barely hear. And their eyes they've closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart, and in turn, I would heal them. Then Luke, the author of Acts, tells us the good news of what eventually comes of the teachings of the great evangelist Paul. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, they will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Paul stayed aboard the ship. He did everything he could to bring others aboard the ship. He used his two years' worth of imprisonment in Rome which might have been the last years of his life, to make sure that as many people as possible could climb aboard and remain aboard the ship. (laughs) 